2: All right, welcome back to another episode of Millennial Money. Today, we got to talk about the everything crash, because guess what, guys? Stocks have uh, not quite done well today. It seems like Tesla's down 12%. That's crazy. 12%, why? So many companies have also begun reporting earnings. The earnings aren't even that bad. But as soon as they report, boom, they just drop in the after hours. It's absolutely crazy. So we're going to be talking about those changes, some of the changes with the uh, the scare of the Federal Reserve, everything going on in the markets today. And uh, Kevin, your incredible portfolio—we oh. have we have to address that. You doubled your money in the last year.
1: Thank you. <laughs> well, Crazy. where do we want to start? Not on that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should.
2: Maybe we should start on that. Uh, You know what? Okay. You know what? No, no, we got, we got to save some of that for later. Let's talk about, uh, we should start with Tesla. I think everyone wants to know what's going on with Tesla. And Kevin, I know in your portfolio too, you have quite a lot of Tesla. So a 12% drop is uh, substantial.
1: Yeah, yeah. so obviously uh, Tesla not super happy with uh, Elon uh, s- selling some shares. The expectation was that he would have had to have done so anyway to, to sell options. Uh, and it's kind of funny how he sort of led uh, led Twitter to, to make the decision on that. Because in theory, he could have just borrowed. I mean, he borrows all the time uh, against his stocks to, to finance his lifestyle, parties, or whatever. And, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to sell. But so he gave some uh, some uh, opportunity to the Tesla community, or or maybe not just the Tesla community, because we pretty much think Elizabeth Warren was sitting there troll voting on Elon's poll when he asked if he should sell ten percent of his Tesla stake to uh, to, to pay taxes, which obviously he's gonna be paying a big amount of taxes on uh but the expectation is the other half that he's keeping he'll be able to uh pay off his taxes owed on other options yeah. so it's like net net by the end of the year he's not actually expected to be out uh, really any tesla shares since he's getting options and selling uh to cover taxes on them if anything he'll have a larger position and uh folks are now speculating what is elon going to do with the rest of the money uh if if he's got some money left over so people are wondering oh is he gonna uh, you know buy back into Tesla or SpaceX or is he gonna just put it into Bitcoin and diversify <laughs> or is it cheap Kevin, or Doge I
0: have a, I have a speculation on why Tesla was down huge I think it's because Rivian IPOs tomorrow and I think all that trader money, you know, you know these traders want in Rivian tomorrow. A lot of people feel like that baby's going to pump like it's nobody's business, and uh, you know, a lot of the money that's pumped into Tesla very recently has been trader money. So that's my speculation on why Tesla was down huge today.
1: Ooh, so uh, outside of the, uh, the the fundamental of uh, having a larger. Uh, larger sort of supply of sold stocks the argument that perhaps hey if the momentum's over for tesla no matter what the rationale was for it whether it was elon or not if the momentum's over for that what's the next hot puppy and maybe that's rivian well what's your take on the valuation for rivian
0: oh man i haven't got to look in depth yet but i would guess it's probably overvalued uh significantly and i will assume it will pump tomorrow and it will be even more overvalued significantly so as with uh, most ev stocks but uh Yeah, I I, you know I I want no piece of that pie, but I know traders do, man. There's gonna be it's gonna be the excitement tomorrow. I don't know uh, what what the exact they're supposed to price at. Did you get to see Kevin as far as share price goes?
1: 77 is what I have. Am I 77, 78, something like that? What valuation does that give them? Uh, Also, somewhere in the high 70 billions. I'll find out for sure. Maybe Don't don't
0: surprise if it shoots over 100 billion either. So.
1: I learned yeah, my lesson
0: Coinbase, so
3: I don't think I'm gonna do that again. <laughs> yeah. But Andre, just the
2: fact that just the fact that you're not buying in though means it's gonna moon tomorrow.
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And as soon yeah. as you if you if you bought it, psh, <laughs> the thing is gonna tank. But I would have to publicly announce it though. It doesn't affect it if I don't publicly say anything. The moment that I do, then it has the opposite effect.
2: Yeah. Well, wow. I think oh, the thing go. is right now, Tesla has not really had that much competition. I mean a lot of the EV competition is uh competition really just an electric vehicle so if you want to get from point a to point b on an electric charge great there's some good options out there but i think really what tesla has is the technology and the data um how is rivian planning to compete on that front in terms of self-driving
1: do you know kevin uh well i actually am working on a rivian video that i have to finish tonight and i have that section i'll pull it up give me a second i'll show you what, what they've got okay
0: yeah, and, and Amazon, if I recall, has a pretty good size investment. Amazon 20. owns what? Is, is it 20%? I think okay. it's 20% of Rivian. Or,
1: or wow. does, does anybody know if they're selling anything tomorrow, uh, Amazon specifically? Ooh, that's a good question. It'd be it'd be wonder if there's a lockup for them. That'd be something to look at. But here's a yeah. here, driver plus system. So basically, uh, level two safety, which level two is any time you have two... Uh, inputs that are not from a human. So it could just be like steering and braking. Oh, boom, you're level two. So really, uh, they, they expect in the future. See, they expect our platform uh, our platform's architecture will enable us to evolve and expand our driver plus offerings to support level three autonomy in the future. And so the vehicles will come with 11 cameras, 12 ultrasonic sensors, five radars, and a high-precision pre- GPS antenna.
2: Wow. So.
1: No autopilot, but the, no. the hardware is there, which the hardware what honestly about? at this point is the cheap stuff to throw in. Yeah, because
2: I have a feeling at least once they have the uh, the basics down, they'd be able to learn pretty quickly depending on how many vehicles are on the road. Right.
1: And if they take the
2: Amazon approach, they're basically going to learn from what Tesla's doing and then just copy it.
3: Right. What about yeah. the charging stations? How is that going to be competing with Tesla?
1: There's so really a section that. on that too. I'll find it and I'll get back to you.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to find out. Uh, so Amazon invested a couple of years ago with 700 mil, if I recall, but I'm trying to see uh, what valuation Rivian was at at that time. Were they at like a two and a half billion dollar valuation or so? They were
1: super low back then. Yeah. Rivian. Wow. Rivian's invested 1.345 billion. I'm sorry. Amazon invested 1.345 billion into Rivian over the last four or five years. And they've uh, they've invested in multiple different rounds. They've led multiple different rounds, and they even bought uh, some bonds in July for about 490 uh, million dollars. So they're all in for like 1.8 billion into Rivian, and that's the reason this company has so much sex appeal right now is because Amazon and Ford have invested in them.
0: Wow! Mm. Yeah, well, what a what a what a steal deal uh, Amazon got in this whole situation. I yeah,
1: They're
0: yeah. getting a 10x, bro. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, the high probability would be over 100 bill. Yeah. So, Kevin, yeah. Are, are people
2: investing in Amazon to capture some of the runoff of Rivian? Because, oh, it, I doubt I it.
1: Yeah. I, I highly doubt that. It, why just is because that? It's, well, because so it's a hundred billion dollar company that maybe they have 20 billion dollar stake in. 20 billion divided by Amazon's market cap, uh, which is what you're buying when you're buying a slice of that, is 1.8 trillion, right? So 0.02 divided by 1.81, you're getting uh, for every hundred dollars you put into Amazon, one dollar and ten cents goes into Rivian via Amazon, right? Right. Got it. That's a that's a great way of putting it.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people don't even realize, uh, you know, how powerful Amazon is in terms of how many brands they own, you know, outside of just Amazon, Amazon Web Services. Obviously, investments like Rivian, Whole Foods, uh, Twitch, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize how powerful Amazon is. It's incredible, incredible, just beast. And I think Tesla, you know, a lot of people view Tesla as kind of like an upstart where it's like all these startups inside one company. And so you're kind of getting like a holding company that's Tesla, but they can they can do all these things um, outside of that. And uh, Kevin, uh, have you seen the video? There was a, a gentleman that did a video, kind of went viral here on YouTube a couple of weeks ago. And it was around uh, Tesla launching a phone and that phone being connected to the Starlink platform and everything like that. Did you get the chance oh. to see that? Nope,
1: okay. <laughs> sounds interesting.
0: It is very interesting, and they they go through you know uh, why Tesla would do this and how it would compete against uh, Apple and, and man it was it was pretty fascinating and I was it got me to think geez man that is a big opportunity so um but yeah that's that's Tesla for you they people want them to do everything so yeah that's
1: true I, but you know they're talking about the Tesla air conditioner and all this they, they got enough problems just trying to get a Tesla Cybertruck out so uh you know. <laughs> but whatever
3: uh, yeah are you guys buying so, so,
1: stock tomorrow uh, I the yeah. only way I like I think I can get like $10,000 of pre-IPO shares uh, mm. at IPO price those might be worth like trading uh, because oftentimes they purposely underprice the IPOs and they open up like 40 50% up and then just trade them you know Right. So yeah. you would, so Kevin, so you would be a seller of
2: those shares at maybe what, 100, 110 or like midday?
1: Uh, yeah, probably. I, I don't, I don't think I would hold the the darn thing. I think I would wait for the crazy mm-hmm. hype and speculation to go down a little bit, <laughs> which you're going to have at the start here. Kind of like Coinbase. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, at the beginning, you know, remember Coinbase was like the biggest, most hypey crypto IPO that we have ever seen and uh, it's uh, it's no surprise that as crypto fell, it fell and remember they're going through this, this and this happens you IPO to all of this hype, the hype dies and you kind of become a not sexy stock anymore, that's usually when you want to make your long term investment and then you grow with the company through the ups and downs after that, I think the worst time to buy is like right at the start, like IPO I feel like you're just getting ripped off yeah. Right.
0: And, and, you know, stocks are old news, guys. It's it's all about this right here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know why, are just like I talked, why are you talking about stocks? I
2: talked to Jeremy. That? I talked to Jeremy earlier today. You know, how do he invested in Bitcoin when we told him he'd be up like 50 yep. percent?
0: Well, but if it's... you bought Voyager stock two weeks ago, Graham, you'd be up 100 percent. Actually, I over 100 percent. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I bought at twelve thirty. In fairness, <laughs> okay,
0: okay. What did you buy some Voyager, Graham, or you? you I did. You didn't have... Okay,
2: so
1: you're yeah, doing yeah.
0: Well. well, I didn't. I
2: didn't buy at twelve. I think I bought. I didn't buy a lot. I put I put a small chunk in there at like thirteen or fourteen. I'm just gonna hold it for a year and to see what happens. But okay. uh, I think a lot of these cryptocurrency companies. I think over the next few years. I'm hoping they would do well, but I'm putting in enough where I really just don't have to worry about it
3: either way. Well, yeah, as crypto I feel like, VGX well, of acquired. Well. I feel yeah, like uh, VGX easily get acquired, yeah, at this point, yeah. But no, I'm that's talking a, that's
0: them. a good point,
3: yeah. yeah. I'm talking to them for maybe like an equity deal or something because I don't know, I, I love their <laughs> stock too. And I love the VGX tokens, I want to get the 20,000 to get that extra one and a half percent, yes how, how much are those on, right now like two
1: bucks or something
3: i think like two or
1: three dollars right
3: oh, okay mm, yeah
2: so you have to invest sixty thousand dollars in the voyager token to get yeah. an extra one and a half percent yes what are it what are the benefits of holding on to the
0: token is it just you ride you just hold the token so yeah. as andre said, you get the extra one and a half percent and then you get uh what's called uh i think Hope. it's called crypto back rewards and that's a confusing thing somebody really tried to explain that to me but i'm not the smartest uh, knife in the the knife block needless to say so i had a little trouble understanding it but essentially what they were saying is when you buy like bitcoin or something like that you get extra coming back to you i'm not the best to explain this so i'm not even gonna try it but it was it was ingenious stuff okay? you're just like uh,
2: money shows up in my account <laughs> i'm good with that uh, yeah, i
3: do just- you know
2: how that works
3: no i haven't i haven't read into the rewards thing yet i just know the extra percent of but i don't know the the rewards back yet i'm I'm reading it right now crypto back rewards for every trade you execute on the voyager app a smart order achieves what's called price movement which means voyager scours the market to fill your order beats the coded fill price in the app okay you'll receive two to three x the price improvement normally given to customers interesting so i guess they give you less of a spread based on that that's kind of interesting yeah, okay. yeah. Well, the
1: spread's a ripoff.
3: Well,
1: <laughs> so
0: so yeah, this is what this gentleman says. He says, uh "Yes, your Navigator mm. tier gives you 1.5 percent extra cash back on Bitcoin, Ethereum, USD. However, it gives you three X crypto back rewards that people do not understand. This three X crypto back rewards is huge. Here's an example. Typically, Coinbase, Voyager, Blockfi, etc., have some kind of fee or spread when you buy coins." Well, if the Voyager spread was $5 on a $100 transaction, that means you would get $95 of the coin, but with your 3x back rewards, you would get money back for every transaction to make the spread less. So that $5 fee might only be $2 because you get $3 in, you know, back essentially. So, and that's paid out in the person the fifteenth through VGX. And this applies to all transactions, meaning buys and sells. This that's sounds cool. like
1: an ad. I'm today. still trying kind
0: of-
3: <laughs> i'm well, still trying to figure out how they're paying such high interest rates on their on their crypto like i know they lend to institutions but i don't understand why blockfi and coinbase and gemini aren't able to compete with their interest rates like that doesn't make sense to me so i don't know yeah i talked to steven their ceo and he said that he has no plans to change the interest rates next year which is a really bold thing to say like i don't know how he's able to know that that far ahead so i don't know yeah one of the many black boxes around crypto we call that <laughs> mm. did you guys see the but, um gosh what is it evergrand coming back that thing is like a zombie that just doesn't die <laughs> i don't know i'm kind way, of scared of what that. way is it coming back i i haven't followed it so so originally we kind of looked at like exposure to the u.s market right we are like well, how, how is the U.S. market exposed to, to Evergrande bonds? And it's very little. We're not really exposed. It's like half a percent to the hedge funds. Um, but that's not the real downside. Apparently, the real downside is they provide so much money in terms of loans to some of the smaller companies in China that if they fail, this could choke supply chains even more. And as we know, Papa Powell told us that supply chains are going to be an issue well into next year and once we taper down all the way and Kevin you did a video about this tapering down 15 billion a month for until what like july 2022 yeah. after july on in july of 2022 we will know if inflation is bad if that's the narrative we can continue talking about because at that point we shouldn't have such big uh, you know such a huge amount of inflation but if the if the labor thing isn't fixed if there's not enough people working and if supply chains are still b- bad which could be way worse because of evergrande's collapse then inflation could be a lot worse, even though the Fed's not really pumping money because supply chains might potentially be destroyed because of this Evergrande thing. Does that make sense? Businesses are just relying on them for loans. And so if, they, if Evergrande's not around anymore, I don't know. And, and obviously everything's made in China. So if we're not getting <laughs> enough stuff made and shipped to us, that could be way worse. So by July, I would say Evergrande's going to be a much bigger factor than we think it is. Ooh, and you said by when? When Andre? July, by when? July, July, twenty twenty-two. So we're tapering fifteen billion a month off of the one hundred twenty billion that we were doing at the peak,
1: mm-hmm.
3: which takes us so to July.
1: What? Can you clarify where, wh- why you're making this connection between liquidity for supply and the Chinese real estate company?
3: Yeah, because they they still provide loans to all the other small businesses, right? Around Evergrande China, does. I know which does. Which, Yes, which does not necessarily relate to
1: real estate. They're... Make sense? I didn't know that Evergrande did loans. I thought they borrowed a crap load of money. Uh, but they have so many different companies. I, I personally, I don't know that much about the company. Uh, I know they've got a property management firm. I know they've got the electric vehicle firm. And then they've got the right. real estate division. Apparently, you're saying they do lending as well?
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we're not told about the company. I just actually read a really great article about a private researcher who was just looking into this company. And he said that okay. it's like factually already bankrupt and that yeah. it could potentially be a lot worse. So I, I actually I don't believe know.
1: That. Yeah. But yeah. I also believe that, you know, uh, a, a wafer manufacturer in China is going to find somebody else to give them a loan. They're not going to be relying on Evergrande to do that. I think China will even provide loans before you know something happens to yeah no speech. you might be right
3: sure, sure you might be right yeah i'm looking for it right now right. i'll send it to you
0: jeremy yeah, what do you think i uh, i think it's it's a mess that it's hard to get to the bottom of you know i wouldn't be surprised if they were giving out loans and taking loans and loaning on the loans for all i know and yeah. you know that's, so- a, that's the thing <laughs> they could be receiving loans so that they could loan it out to somebody yeah, right.
2: else so, so right. if that loan defaults, then it just, it trickles up. I wouldn't right. be listen, at this point, you could tell me anything with the company. I'd just be like, oh yeah, that that's, that's that <laughs> that seems <makes> right. <laughs> I'm worried <laughs> that a lot of those are already priced in. A lot of the fear that that happened about a month and a half ago, a lot of people have already came to terms that hey, it's probably going to, it's probably something's probably not going to go well with that. U.S. companies have very little exposure and even though I, I just I have a feeling it's probably going to be a very short-term blip that's mainly going to be isolated outside of the
3: U.S. I hope so. That's, I that's hope what so. I think.
0: Yeah, you know, it's something that freaks me out in the States. Uh, it's a new business model that's starting to take off. And I would love to hear your perspective, Kevin, because I believe you own Find one Find out me later? Things. Yes! You knew I was going <laughs> there. Wow. Yes. So what, what do you think about that? Do you think that's, you know, at risk at all? It's just... I don't know, man. It seems a little sketchy. Maybe it's because it's a new thing, but I'm a little skeptical.
1: Uh, look, buy, buy now, pay later is no more than the uh, online iteration of layaway from like the 80s that people used to do, uh, which I don't know. I've never done anything a layaway, but here's the reality. Bank of America says somewhere around 70% of the people using buy now, pay later services have already maxed their credit cards. So it's kind of like their last resort to get into more debt. I think it's, I think it's, Not a good thing for consumers to get in the habit of using. Uh, I don't encourage it. I don't recommend it. Uh, I think it's a bad idea. I think you should only spend money when you have the money to spend. So from a financial point of view, I think it's bad. From a company and profitability point of view, uh, I would be happy to invest in it while times are good. Probably don't want to be invested in the company in a market crash because they got lots of probably subprime loans they're carrying. (laughs)
0: That's true. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly what I think. I'm like, man, I, you know, if, if you know, the economy really went down in a major way, I'm just wondering, you know, I think that would be the last thing people would pay, right? They would pay almost everything before they pay off, you know, some TV they bought, you know, on, on uh, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah. It, what do you guys think about the middle class right now? And do you think the middle class is getting squeezed like nobody's business? Like you you make 50K a year, 60K a year, rents are rising. Gas prices are over $4 a gallon, I think, in most parts of the country. What do you guys just think about the the state of the middle class in America with this, you know, I don't want to call it hyperinflation market, but this inflation market. Do you have any perspective on that?
1: You lost, lost. me at the
0: I word. <laughs> Well, Kevin, yeah, let me ask you I this. Just...
2: So buy now, pay later. What's the collateral that they're taking besides you're... just appearing
1: on a, on a credit report? That's it. Yeah. They're I not mean, coming you know, to you're... take your product back. Nobody's, nobody's showing up your door taking your Peloton back. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
2: I remember I, I had same complaint, uh, the same complaints about the lending platforms like Lending Club and Prosper. And, and my biggest complaint was that these returns were great now. And it makes sense. I think it's a good business model, but I would be interested to see how that performs in a recession. And so not far, I mean, it, it seems like overall, the returns are similar to the stock market, except you're tying up your money. So it's like not that much of an appeal, but I'm surprised they've, they've held overall pretty well.
1: They have. Yeah, they they recently started falling a little bit more thanks to the... the um... Uh, Venmo partnership with Amazon, uh, because Venmo does have a form of pay in four, like make it make your you know buy something and pay it off in four payments. The uh affirm integration is is live. I should try to pull up an example, but uh, it did reach a crazy intraday high of 176. It's down right now about 15 percent from that intraday high after that uh Venmo talk started coming around. So, kind of interesting. It sold off a little bit here, but it's still up insanely. I mean, like I bought this thing back at like 88 bucks or something. It's still eh, what, like 90% or something like that in, in two or three months, it's just the stock market's gone euphoric and like nutso. Uh, so, you know, I, I sold a little bit to, to just kind of trim it a little bit, have a little bit of profits off of it. Um, I don't know if I would do it again, but I don't understand
0: this concept, Kevin. Of you know, stock market's gone nuts. So, do you really feel like it's gone nuts? So, like, I feel like it's okay. I don't feel like it's off the charts or anything like that.
1: Uh, well, I don't, I don't know if you're being sarcastic because you make these videos all the time about how it's statistically very rich compared to S P historic valuations.
0: I thought, I thought you were talking about, you know, very, very recently because I mean, I'm looking at like, I don't know. It seems like every earnings coming out, I'm seeing stock down 20%, 20%, 20%. Oh, it's because because you're
2: looking at
1: tattooed chef.
2: (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, um, I know you're well, yeah. So today and uh, the last couple days have been really interesting uh I, and part of me wonders if it's because of the fed's financial stability report that came out that re- that really cast shade on younger mm-hmm. investors uh who are over leveraged and using too much uh, uh, too many options and are taking too much risk and and are, are pre-pricing in too many future cash flows uh, and so that really dampened earnings the last couple days i mean you had Wait you had a few companies that reported today that just had triple beats and they plummeted. Uh, I'm trying to pull up a couple of them, but it it was nasty today.
0: Yeah, there was. Yeah, it was. I mean, there was at least four or five stocks. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Upstart was a triple beat. Revenue, bottom line, uh, guidance. Uh, everything up, 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 the thing fell 20%. Now keep in mind that thing has gone on this insane, like euphoria run, which is, which was stupid. Like I, I, I thought it was very, very dumb. Uh, and uh, so it probably deserved it, but um, you know, Coinbase missed, they fell 14% purple missed. They fell 22% Poshmark 25%. Yeah. I mean, this is some big reactions.
0: Yeah. Man, it's it's vicious man, vicious, vicious. And I mean, other than the fact that you don't even have a fish tank in your house, Kevin, um, you know, I mean, it's vicious. Some of those falls in, 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 uh, some of those stocks. I mean, my gosh, you, you, picking, everything. Up any... you picking up any of these, Kevin? Oh God.
1: No. <laughs> okay. Uh, Nothing. Nothing. Is, even purple. Is... Oh, purple. Oh, even. No, I, I sold purple a long time ago, like 32 bucks. The, um, oh. uh, The market right now is is not in my opinion anywhere close to a fear-driven market the last thing i bought was uh, a million dollars of bitcoin on like saturday and uh i haven't really done anything since then uh if anything i just expect to sell a little bit more uh, to to trim some positions maybe etsy and phase maybe some other things just to uh i've got like 600k margin pay that off and just, uh, you know, hey, if it falls, then I'll just rebuy the dip. If it runs, fine. I'll have a little cash on the side. Where well, are you buying Bitcoin? on? Well, so I wanted to buy frantically on Saturday, so I kind of had to hurry. Uh, and so I had 550K of liquidity in Coinbase. That's my favorite place to buy is Coinbase Pro, because then I could transfer it to Voyager. Uh, the spread on Weeble horrible. Uh, really, really bad. And uh, so I didn't buy any on there, although I did once buy one Bitcoin on uh, Weeble, But anyway, uh, and then the rest was actually on Robinhood, uh, which Robinhood has the next best pricing. And if I'm just, you know, that that other extra 500K, I'm really just buying it to speculate on it. I'm never going to put it off into like cold storage. I'm never going to put it on a hardware wallet. I'm just speculating on it. Uh, so I don't really care that's on Robinhood. It's easy enough to trade. And the fees are the, the best out of everything. The fees are the best on Robinhood for crypto.
0: Yeah. see Kevin Art. this is the issue you know uh, you, you I want to go back to a, a statement you just made around uh, the market is is not fear driven at all because that's a hard that's a hard uh, pill for a lot of folks to swallow because they're looking at countless stocks down 60 70 80 percent from highs reached nine ten months ago and they're like not fear driven what is what does purple stock say what is upstart what is you know it go through these stocks
1: and they're like my gosh well I mean like upstarts, like up three like x from a few months ago, right? So that's okay. Like so pneumonia. that might be one bad example, but everything sure. else, much. yeah. Purple, purple's like flat on the year now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think like look at look at some of the spacs. Look at like a Smile Direct. Look at like Honest or whatever. Uh, I don't remember if uh, I don't think Honest was an IP was a spac, but some yeah. of the newer IPOs, oh, yeah. even in sure tech, you're right. There are some sectors that are lagging tech is at the lowest it's been in the last year. Uh, Lemonade, Hippo. In my opinion, like I look at Outlet, the, the baby sock uh, product. Uh, again, Smile Director, some of these other companies. Oatly. Oh, huge, Oatly huge discounts. What's that? Oatly.
0: That was another big I, one. I don't I know what that, that is. One. Oatly. That's the oat milk company that went public. I think it was over a $10 billion valuation. I think that one's down substantially, but I'm not 100%
1: sure. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there are some things that uh, will always go through these sort of sectoral transitions where they're just going to suck until they don't. I mean, look at EV. Uh, EV was like euphoria between November, December, January and the first part of February. Then it crashes in, in end of February, March, again in May. It stays in the toilet throughout the summer, kind of like crypto was in the toilet. And then it comes back. It just goes in cycles. I think sometimes we we get uh, caught in this this trap of, oh, it's all got to move together. It doesn't have to. Uh, So that's kind of, I think like right now, I think we're in a massive EV hype cycle. I think that's going to be really good for Rivian's IPO. I think they're timing it at the perfect time
0: yeah so andre I got a question for you how long do you think this current uh crypto cycle we're going through which is a pretty positive one bitcoin just hit a new all-time high i think ethereum's right around all-time high do you think we're anywhere near a uh short term let's call it top or we still got a lot of you know several months to run here
3: yeah i've got a crazy theory that is kind of based on what michael saylor's been saying which i think has a lot of validity to it and basically Gold going to zero <laughs> yeah, eventually. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, no, basically what he's saying is um, uh, this year we're going to have like another massive run up to maybe $100,000, $120,000, whatever, whatever it might be. And we could have any numerous amounts of trigger for us to get there, whether it's a spot ETF instead of the futures ETF. And some people are saying we're going to get the Ethereum futures ETF uh, before we get a spot ETF of Bitcoin. Um, whatever it could be, maybe it's Tesla announcing that they're accepting Bitcoin again, right? Whatever it might be, it could trigger fall to a hundred thousand dollars. So, so we're going to ride it to like the end of this year, at which point, uh, this is something Raul Paul brought up, which was great. Um, a lot of the people in the hedge fund space, they need to take profits off the table by year end, just to lock in their profits, to take their fees. That's just something they have to do. Take it off the balance sheet, right? So when that happens, the market's going to take a dive. And that's what's going to make people think that that's going to be the beginning of the end of the bull run, just like we had in twenty seventeen. People are going to be like, "That's it. That's the end. We got 100000 dollars. That's the sell-off." Fight. Hey, so, Andre.
0: Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. It, 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 All tangent- right. Can you hear me Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. No. Right. Well, uh, was I was I breaking. Yeah. Up?
3: All right. No. No. On, I was get-
0: going to say. I was going to say, like, timing-wise, because you didn't mention anything about timing. So I was just trying to figure out if you want to say anything around like this month or anything like that. So.
3: Yeah, no, you mean the run-up to 100,000? Yes. Any, any time between now and the end of the year, What in the oh, m- wow. next two months, in the next Whoa. two months, it, it's, something's going to happen where it's going to trigger it to some ridiculous, crazy FOMO. At which point, towards the end of the year, people are going to anticipate that we're going to fall and they're going to sell, they're going to front-run it. Hedge fund people are going to lock in their profits. That's going to cause the price to go down. Again, retail investors, and you have to remember how many people started investing in Bitcoin this year. There were so many people that are not familiar with how Bitcoin cycles work. They're going to start freaking out, thinking like, oh, my God, this is a crash. I'm going to sell out, right? But it's going to be like a fake dip. So in January, when the price craters or sometime in January, February, and the price goes down, I, I don't know by how much that's when these hedge fund people are going to buy back in because they have to put in their money the profits that they locked in they're going to have to put it somewhere and because there's so much demand from retail to get into this stuff they're going to invest their money into bitcoin and that, that's what's going to cause the next run to and, and again the, the the valuation sounds ridiculous but it's like they're predicting anywhere between doing 150,000 to 400,000 dollars in the high end for bitcoin so, so it's going to be a, a, a fake dump by the end of this year or sometime towards, you know, the beginning maybe when, when the hedge fund manages to lock into profits. And then we're going to go on the crazy upside. So it, it's going to be like a fake out, essentially. That, that's, that's the I mean, theory that people are yeah. thinking. I just think that the
2: longer Bitcoin is around, the more money is in it, the higher the price gets, the more stable it's going to be. So I would almost be shocked at this point if we see another eighty-five percent drop. Now it's now it even seems like a a fifty percent drop is substantial for Bitcoin. and I have a feeling
3: if if you you think we'll see a ninety percent crash, not maybe ninety, but I I could see easily over fifty, just because the whales in crypto understand how this game works and they coordinate with each other. They dump Bitcoin loses eighty percent. People are shouting, "This is the end of Bitcoin." That's when smart money buys back in. That's when we ride to whatever four hundred thousand dollars by summer of twenty twenty two. That's when like it's going to be peak, peak FOMO. That that's kind of the play that 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 I'm seeing that the narrative going towards. So, play play at your own risk is like, I guess the the warning.
1: Wow, that's yeah. a big. Yeah. I mean, we, could, right?
0: we
2: did we did have a drop from I think it was like sixty six. To 29 at the lowest. It's about a 50 something percent drop. But I'm thinking yeah. once it gets above, I don't know, 100, 150, if it gets to that point,
3: maybe we're not going to see as much volatility as we have in the past. No, but listen, if we get super frothy to like 250, 300,000, it could easily go back down to 50,000. But it, I think oh. it also depends
2: on how quickly it does that. Is it doing that within like a few months? Is it, or is it doing that over the, over the course of years?
3: No, that's probably going to take weeks to go from that to 50 or 40 or wherever we're going. So anyway, it's just, yeah, yeah there's going to be a huge fake out. And then we're going to go to the moon. That's, that's how I, if I could speculate, if I could guess and put in my two cents as far as the prediction. So Jeremy, when are you buying Bitcoin? Well, I technically own a
0: very, very small amount. I just got a deposit into my account from Voyager, actually because I have an affiliate link, so which means the top has been reached in Bitcoin. Get out now while you can and get ready for that baby to tank andre's uh sixty five percent coming so <laughs> the top is in folks Jeremy see, got I, Bitcoin. Could see, I could or see Voyager. people
3: like Jeremy sell out because <laughs> he gets scared like, I knew I knew this was a scam. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Smart money buys back in. What do you think, Kevin? Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think there's a chance of that happening?
1: Uh, well, I would separate, like I would divide, uh, smart money. Uh, I would say that uh, people who invest other people's money, a lot of the institutional investors, I think they they tend to be sometimes a little bit later to the game. I think the, the the people like the Michael Saylors, right? The, the, the OG kind of buy the dippers. They're the ones, like, I feel like that's kind of like your smart money of crypto. And then you kind of have like the smart old money. <laughs> and, and I feel like they're slower. And the reason for that is a lot of that old smart money still has trouble convincing their clients why they're investing in crypto. And if Bitcoin just sold off 50%, I, I do not see a lot of money managers going... Hey, investors! Time to yolo, in and buy the dip and huddle. <laughs> you know, yep. so so I think we have to segment. Like, I mean, maybe like the new smart money people who are like pro pro crypto, those new institutional investors, they'll get it, they'll do that. But the old guard's gonna have a problem. They'll come in later. Uh, I think retail could be a big driver uh, of of some of the buy the dipping because there's they've been just so good about buying dips. It's crazy. Well, I think the
3: the uh, I guess the old smart money is, is going to yeah. be driven more so by retail demand, which is ah, pushing this, it. OK, yes. Which in this theory, again, sh- should happen in the next two months or so. That's wow. theoretically.
1: And, oh, oh, now yeah. to push it up rather than push it down. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, right. OK, OK. Yes. Yeah, sure. I mean, what you said about the, the spot ETF is going to be huge. I mean, you saw Bitcoin move. Uh, what 10 15% on just the bitcoin futures ETF which was total bull crap it's not even the the underlying asset <laughs> it's lame yeah yeah
3: no i so, I, I think trillions could flow into the market as soon as we get a spot ETF and again that wow. that could be the trigger that could be the trigger to get us to 100 I this year maybe, yeah wow
2: i still think we're probably maybe i don't know 6 6 to 12 months away from getting an ETF i think the SEC is so concerned about regulating payment for order flow and do, doing their investigation on that. I think it's going to be quite some time before they ever get around to like a Bitcoin, a proper Bitcoin ETF.
3: That could be true. But we don't need the spot ETF to get to get that FOMO triggered. It, it's just one of many catalysts, I would say. Yes. I'm not like, I'm not depending on it this year. I, I think you're right. It's not going to come this year. Yeah, I think we're more likely to see Robinhood listing Shiba Inu. ha. <laughs>
2: So. <laughs> which you said is more stable than Tesla this week, <laughs> which is nuts. I've listen. I've been watching some of these uh, these cryptocurrencies, and I I'm I'm surprised. I mean, now granted, a week and a half is not really long enough to um, to get a good sample size, but it's it, it's held steadier than Tesla for whatever that's worth.
3: I actually uh, had my friend Pro. Do you guys remember Pro, the Dogecoin millionaire? Heck yeah. yeah. Yeah, he actually just a $100,000 into a very speculative crypto, and I tried to convince him and talk him out of it. And he just wouldn't listen. He's like, listen, YOLO. <laughs> I, I'm convinced with him you're, you're never
2: going to be able to convince him otherwise because he proved everybody wrong when he invested <laughs> his life savings and maxed out his credit cards to invest in Dogecoin. And he was right there is nothing that you could tell him that will convince him otherwise that he can't do that again. And so I'm really interested to see This will, uh, now I would say you could get, you could get lucky once. Everyone could get lucky once. Fewer people can get lucky twice. If he gets lucky twice, I think people are probably going to start taking him pretty seriously. And if he could do that a third time, then I would say he could establish himself as an expert. You just listen, gotta he, listen, just make, <laughs> what, what, who said this? You gotta make three guesses consecutively correct, and then you, then you could call yourself an expert. If oh, he God.
3: can get that third time better. right, I, I'm gonna force him to create a YOLO ETF. Just, just a YOLO <laughs> ETF. <laughs> that's, that's gonna be just the investment. Yeah.
2: Lawrence J. Peter, make three correct guesses consecutively, and you will establish a reputation as an expert that's nice. what it takes It's three he's on step two so he's got to make step two turn 100k into a mill and then do it
3: once more and he could uh, officially be an expert well at this rate i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if he actually does it so i don't know well,
0: let's i see. want to see what
3: it is but then I'm, i don't want I'm, people to complain and say like oh you're pumping this coin no,
2: i'm rooting you know, you for him i i i'm rooting for him because i really like his energy he's a really positive guy And um, I mean, I would, I'd love to see witness, witness this happening again. Who knows? Witness
3: greatness.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Greatness, the next Warren Buffett in the making. Let's see.
3: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can
1: always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts,
3: So Jeremy, uh, to clarify, you you still you said you didn't have any Bitcoin, or you said you registered to to buy some? I, I kind of missed that
0: part. No, I I never I never registered to buy, but I have some in my account because some people signed up from my Voyager affiliate link. So I oh. have Bitcoin in my possession
3: now. Oh wow! So
0: okay, eighty dollars to, to
3: be exact. Eighty dollars to be exact. Dang! So. At this rate, you're gonna double it to one hundred and sixty in a couple months. That's gonna be crazy. Yeah. What are you gonna do I with know. all that money? <laughs> oh, I don't
0: know. Get internet, maybe something like that. I'm just <laughs> having trouble deciding. So, oh, wow. but uh, no, I'm just I'm just super nervous, guys. Two of my companies report tomorrow, and so I just needed some uh, companionship. So that's why I'm over here because Tattooed Chef's reporting after the bell tomorrow, and then uh, mm-hmm. Honest is also reporting, which is a stock I just started buying very recently. So. I'm trying to get ready if Tattoo Chef goes down to 14. And I'm trying to get ready if Honest goes down to 7.
3: So I'm just I'm just a little nervous. Can you guys talk if, me through it? If TTCF goes down to 14, are you going to load up and buy more? Or are you kind of done? No, I, I
0: got a half mil ready, baby. A half mil on Ooh, the sideline.
3: Yeah. Gosh. Just in case. Just well, you, in can't case. Put, you can't put 20% of that in Bitcoin. But you can put another half million into the TTCF. Yeah. <laughs> no problem here's the
2: thing <laughs> tattoo chef it just it seems to uh, just you know zigzag between 14 and 22 and so far it's done this like four or five times in a row 14 22 14 22 we'll see if it goes down to 14 you know it seems to have a lot of support at that price
0: yeah 16 kevin's kevin's buying heavy he said if it goes down right kevin you're gonna load the boat baby
1: <laughs> <laughs> look at uh beyond meat man that thing yeah. has gotten smoked and i worry that might be a little bit of a leading indicator i mean i, I hope it i hope it goes up for you but you well, know beyond meat, uh sad see this is the other thing i'm starting to see some of these support lines get get crushed and it's a problem look at um here show it really quick Look at, uh, what do you got here? This is uh, this is Beyond me. Look, we sat in this channel here. This channel is 121 to 143, and it always came back to this sort of 121, came back to 121. Even in May, when it dipped below to 100 bucks, it always came back. It's always rubber banding up and down and around this. You know, you get the euphoria, and it comes back down. Uh, but look at it lately. It's just really cool. just bleeding out of that range. And so uh, I think this is almost kind of what you've been seeing jeremy on on some companies that you're talking about like whether that's outlet or honest or whatever or where, where you do just have this this loss of investor enthusiasm for certain companies and you're just getting this straight trend down so it's it's I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. With
0: with Beyond Meat, you know, you have to take these companies one by one. That's just a company that's just disappointed quarter after quarter. The actual fundamentals of the company, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, every quarter it's like, well, restaurants aren't aren't busy. And it's like, what are you talking about, man? Restaurants are packed like, you know, they always have an excuse. They haven't been growing and um, they haven't been innovating at at a fast enough rate to keep investors happy. So you can't really compare them in in the chef, in my personal opinion. But But uh,
1: I mean, isn't it doesn't it speak to the frozen food aisle that,
0: uh, you know, maybe people are tired of that? Well, just so you know, Beyond Meat's not a frozen food company. Uh, Whatever.
1: The the home cooked aisle. You know what I mean? Like
0: Kevin, not everybody's got $42 million like you. They can't afford to eat out all the time. You realize the middle class getting killed right now, Kevin? I don't eat out all the time. I have my food delivered. Yeah, exactly. You (laughs) big baller. No, man. Middle class is getting taken right now, man. Imagine you make 50K a year, okay? Gas prices are way way up. Your rent's gone through the roof. Everything you'd possibly buy is so much more expensive, and you probably make about the same or maybe just barely more than you used to make. And uh, I'm hearing it on, I've listened to, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe 10 plus conference calls so far this earnings season. And I'm hearing a lot of companies start to talk about this. And I think it's it's going to become a, a bigger subject around no stimulus. I've heard several companies mention that there's no stimulus pump out there. And uh, a lot of their consumers just are dealing with this inflation that's really hitting the middle class. And what that's going to do for spending on, especially if it's a non-need based item, you know, I, I think this is going to be a bigger subject as time goes on, kind of like inflation. Remember, we I think i think even on here, we talked about inflation really early. And then over the next few months, inflation became a big thing. And now, you know, inflation has been the talk at CNBC all for the past, I don't know, four or six months. I think this is going to be a bigger subject that people should pay attention to because, you know, it, I think this inflation is really hitting the middle class. I'll yeah, be completely yeah. honest.
3: I, I agree with you, Jeremy. I, I think, Kevin, I know you said that you expect inflation, I think, to go to, to cool off in July, but I'm not, I don't know. I don't think that that's going to be the case if I had to bet my money. I, th- I think the supply chain issues are still going to persist. And I think that labor shortage is still going to be a problem as a result of you know price increases because companies have to compete for, for for people and pay them more and pass off those price increases to consumer goods and services. Some of the zip codes I'm looking at for rentals, like I have a like two or three zip codes I look at in Vegas, there's like no inventory. There's nothing in the rental market. And of the ones that are, they're up like 30%. It's insane. But I don't know. I would bet my money on, I think we're still going to see a lot of inflation by July, which is going to be scarier because then we can't blame the fed on, on anything. We can't be like, Oh, it's the fed printing money. It's going to be like, Oh, the fed lost control of inflation. And that's when the real narrative is going to start.
1: Yeah. That'll be interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, uh, look, I, I'm not going to put a time on when I think inflation's going to go down. I'm just, I look at my core investments as, Hey, what's going to make me the most money over the next 20, 30 years in 20 or 30 years, uh, I'm going to look back and I'm extremely confident, like 95% confident that at some point in this decade, we will be looking at a massive deflation in prices. I don't know if that's January or if it's July or if it's 2025 and it's my mom's birthday. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But I'm investing as if at some point this is evaporating. It's going away. The temporary fears are going away. And we are going to have the most efficient, strongest a uh, country of of corporations that we've ever seen before, the highest margins, the most productive workers, the most productive machinery, the most productive logistic systems. Uh, you you do not short this market because this market is is planting the seeds for some big 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 old tendies. But look, let me go back to what uh, what what you said, uh, uh, Jeremy. Uh, this inflation crush on on uh, you know lower to middle class. Uh, I mean, even 50% or $50,000 a year at this point is, is relatively low, especially for a family of four. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big problem. And if anything, I actually think that's bullish. I hate to say it, but for buy now, pay later, <laughs> because people are going to have to borrow more. Now, that's horrible for their personal finances. It's great for buy now, pay later and, and lending companies as long as markets are good. Uh, you know, if markets start turning, you start getting into a debt crisis. Well, this is going to be a big issue. Uh, but, uh, you know, right now we don't have liquidity issues yet, at least not here in America, you know, Evergrande's got the problems. But, uh, the other thing uh, to, to just mention to folks is is, because I see this all the time, like on Reddit or in comments or whatever, people like, Oh, uh, you know, I make $50,000. Somebody wrote on Reddit the other day. I make $50,000 a year in in Florida and, and all these rich people are coming in from New York and buying homes out here and they're working remote and I'm getting priced out. Well, this is where I hate to be blunt, but I'm going to be blunt and say it. Get off your ass and pick a different job. That's really harsh, but you're not going to make it. If you want to if you want to make it in, in the job that's paying you 50K in this kind of environment, when when you, we do have inflation and it's very, very difficult to get by, you're probably going to have to move uh, to like Ohio or, or something where, where the cost of living is way lower. And, and then you can live more well out there. But uh, complaining uh, and hoping for a market crash, because things are expensive relative to your income when other people or, or uh, getting jobs that pay more that's that's not the market's problem to solve that's your problem your personal problem to solve so don't bitch about it get up and do something about it
2: yeah kevin but quick question. I, when I you say agree, agree with that the job market is pretty good it seems
3: like uh sorry andre go for it no i was just gonna ask kevin when you say that there's gonna be a deflation in the next 10 years do you mean like consumer price index or assets
1: Oh, uh, well, yeah. So any any time I refer to inflation, deflation, just just prices of so, uh, of things that we buy. So not assets, CBI. not real estate, not CBI. not stocks. Uh, that could yeah. happen, but that would come from a different reason. I'm more thinking, you know, uh, okay, these these MacBooks with the new M1 chips that everybody wants, or whatever. Right. This is going to cost a lot less in five just, years for the same computing power, or the new yeah. computing power then. You know, instead of spending fourteen hundred oh. bucks. Uh, it, it'll okay, be but less, why whatever. let me
2: ask you this why would that cost less when they could just increase the quality of it and sell it for more, like with the iPhone? It, well, I'm yeah, yeah. sure it cost them less to
1: produce, but now the company's making way Apple's doing way more profit with with per phone. Yeah, but look, I mean, let's say the iPhone one was eight hundred bucks and, and now you buy one of the new iPhones, the biggest one with the biggest storage, uh, for twice as much for sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah. You're not getting two X the quality you're getting 10,000 times the quality uh, for, for twice the price, right? So when we scale quality with price, the, the technology is extremely deflationary. Mm-hmm. Got it. Does, okay. does the state of money velocity
0: scare you at all, Kevin?
1: Not where it is now because it's been going down or been stable down. If that ticks up, we're screwed. <laughs> Well, that's
0: why I was actually asking, yeah, if it concerns you either way, because right now it's so dang low that it's kind of like, well, if money's not changing hands, you know, I mean, you know, you need to keep the to keep the ball rolling. You need people to spend. Right. You know, this guy spends over here. This guy spends over here. Then we go spend over here. You know, you need money moving around and it's just not I mean, it hasn't been moving for the most part. So I was just curious. But you're 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 actually more scared if it upticks. That's interesting.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if it upticks, then you have more inflationary pressures. Uh, You have money circulating more often uh, for a a limited supply of goods with more demand. Prices go up. Uh, So the velocity of money being down could be. And and I mentioned this at the beginning of the pandemic. I don't know if I'm going to end up being right. But I predicted that the 2020s will be a uh, frugal decade where uh, we have uh, now uh, a, a millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions well, of, of people who are more concerned about their personal finances, who are more concerned about investing and making sure that when 2020 rolls around, they don't get screwed, that they're ready to invest, that they're uh, they're already invested and uh, they're, they're trying to get out of debt. They're increasing their income. And look, you know, I, I ranted about uh, people getting getting a higher paying job if, if things are getting pricey. Uh, like, I'm not trying to offend anybody because like for example I think it's a disgrace that you know cops firefighters teachers uh, these you are heroes make 50k a year or whatever but look the reality is you're just not going to be able to make it in certain areas on that salary and it's just that I feel like that sometimes that that tough talk that that's needed to make hopefully folks think like okay is there something I can do that's going to pay me more money in the future
0: yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I want to come back to that. But first, I just want to say thank you to everybody that ever supports our channel. The members only chat, everybody that smashes a thumbs up button. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for being subscribed. We love you. But Kevin, I mean, I don't know, man, I, this, this money velocity thing is freaking me out because I, I was I was looking at the chart the other night. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it's so out of control low. And, and is it going to do you think it's going to stay like that? Are you predicting that it's really going to stay that low? And, you know, because I'm just trying to figure out, like, where, where are we going here? And I, Graham and Andre, if you got any yeah. thoughts on this, jump in
1: too. I have no idea where it's going to go. <laughs> okay. I, I think uh, just based on if I was going to throw a guess out there, uh, you know, again, frugal decade, people are potentially, maybe, maybe people will invest a little more uh, and save a little bit more and spend a little less, even though we have more money. So net spending is up. We have all this extra money potentially because of stimulus and all this. Remember that, uh, when you put money into a savings account or a stock, the velocity of money is like 1.4. It's dead low. You go spend it on on a computer, it's like 5 or 6. It's extremely high. So more people investing, which is what we've seen, mm. does correlate with a lower velocity of money. The, see, the, the tough thing is that it makes sense. Like People don't want to spend
2: because they see the market going up so much. And they're thinking, why would I spend money on that? Apple computer, but I could invest it, and the market's going to bring me another five percent a week. Kevin, That's I mean, Andre, Graham, you really think? What? You really think the masses are thinking that? I think enough. I think enough people out there, especially the fact that I think it was like Fidelity said they got—I I forget how many millions of new users that, that they got under the age of thirty-five. Yep. It was enough that they wanted to redirect a substantial portion of their business to attract a millennial audience. Because they're investing and they're saving their money. And I think the more the market goes up, the more people are tempted to want to participate. And
0: that's what I thought. No, that was that was just all the people in my private stock group that graduated from Robinhood to Fidelity. But uh, I, I, Kevin, do you mind pulling up that chart, if you can, please, uh, from the St. Louis Fed or whatever? Because I don't think a lot of people have ever seen that or, or know what we're talking about. Um, and it just shows over the last five, ten years, you know, money velocity. So Andre, you got any thoughts on this?
3: No, I tend to agree with with the general sentiment, but as far as like numbers wise and its effect on the general rate of inflation, I don't know. So yeah, that's the velocity of money right there. You could see it's like look at that. Wow, look at that. That's insane. It's like non existent. So people are socking away money. I could see that. Wow. Yeah. And oh look
0: at how it was so consistent for, you know, a decade or two. And then just, you know, very, very recently, it's really gone off the, you know,
1: this year is 1963. That's crazy. Yeah, So
0: you can see we usually trend around one point six to two very consistently. Right. And then we have the
3: dot-com bubble right but, there. And, and then um,
2: right right about there, interest rates just plummeted. I'm wondering how much of that is correlated to low interest rates.
1: Same here. Yeah. It's right Let's here. See the recessions are driving this down.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then and it never also... comes back up. Right. With the exception yeah. Of here. Yeah. Oh.
2: Yeah, we could also look at the personal savings rate. Uh, I'm not sure if you could pull that up. If that, what sort of correlation that has with that. That, that dropped
3: substantially this, from the pandemic highs. Did you guys see that?
2: Yeah, the, the pandemic high I think was 20%. And now, but it's still, I believe it's still significantly higher than what it was back then. I think it, it was like 13 to 20%. And then it's down to like 6 or 7 which is still historically pretty high. So people yeah. are saving more
0: money. Right. Uh, I don't know. Are you gonna pull something up here, Kevin? Sure. Oh, okay. There we personal go. Savings oh, Kevin,
2: personal savings rates. Personal savings rates. Ah see, it's come uh, up. It's We're come down. down a
3: lot. Yeah.
2: Does it go back further than that? Can we go back and like uh do the max? Yeah, right, right there. Let's
3: see. All
2: wow, right. So it's lovely. still still higher than 2005.
3: No, yeah. Yeah, here's <laughs> but it's, it's in the wrong way
1: dang whoa look at that's that everyone in buying houses oh, yeah <laughs> in 05 2.6 2.1 percent personal savings rate wow
3: <laughs> that's paycheck to paycheck right there it is wow. listen jeremy if
2: you're talking about the middle class not saving i mean this is historically yeah they're saving almost three times as much money today
0: as they were throughout the 2000s. Yeah, but my concern here is look at how fast it's dropping. Where is it at now? That's looking at September. Where did it drop in October? Where is it going to be at November? But this is stimulus.
1: This is pure stimulus. Look at this. April, stimulus check. Uh, Mm -hmm. January, that was the December stimulus check. And then uh, Biden gets in, right? We get the February stimulus package, which you got the money in March.
3: Yeah, so I think we're still too volatile to say where where it'll settle. Because if you look at even 2011 to 2000, you know, ten years ago, it's it's about the same rate, two thousand eleven ish. Keep going further. Yeah, there
1: six we and go. a half, I mean, seven, close. eight. Yeah, yeah.
3: So I, I I don't know. I would say we're kind of settling to the average. Uh, we're well, not particularly more. I wouldn't say that. Um, I wonder what happened. I still two thousand twelve. Oh yeah. December 2012. Gosh, what,
1: what that wasn't like, no, cash for clunkers was way earlier. This was mm-hmm. rates started going up like crazy over uh, here in yeah. March of 2013.
3: Hmm. So, so hold on. When interest rates are going lower, uh, what's the correlation here to personal savings rate? I don't know that we could say. I don't think there is one. No.
0: Okay. And th- this I'm, is why I truly. This is why I truly think the most important thing to watch over the next six to 12 months is the middle class and uh, keep an eye on these sorts of things because it looks to me like people are blowing through the savings. I I would assume right now today if we were to get a live chart of that, which we can't, I would assume assume it's probably quite a bit lower and the middle class is getting squeezed by inflation and the middle class at the end of the day is really what drives or doesn't drive this economy and company earnings. And so I don't know. I think it's going to be I don't know what happened to Graham. Graham's My, like, middle I, class, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't want any part of the middle class. I'm, I'm leaving. And not directly. relate.
3: <laughs> no, <just kidding>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anywho, yeah. That, so to me, I think that's the most important thing to pay attention to over the next six, 12 months is the middle class and the state of the middle class. Jerry, how much do you think
3: uh, this whole meme economy plays into this whole thing? Because do you think that with just how much that's been publicized people are investing a lot more um do you think like it could continue or are we in a new paradigm or do you think that's going to end and then we're going to kind of revert back to the mean
0: um yeah I, i think whenever you're in a bull market and obviously stocks and crypto have been in quite a bull market since basically march of 2020 right i think that just you like take on more and more risk i think about when i got started in the stock market graham's back i think about when i got started in the stock market in like you know, it was like, you know, 2008, 2009. It was a really, really, uh, everybody was so scared. People didn't even want to think about investing, right? So my, I was kind of brainwashed early on to take invest in safer stocks. So a lot of my early stocks were like Walmart, Kimberly-Clark, Conagra Foods, like very, very boring stocks, but that was the play, right? And so right now, if you've made a ton of money, it's like take the most risk possible. Put that 100K in whatever's the most speculative crypto. Um, as soon as people really, really get hurt, that's when everybody kind of wakes up and they're like, oh, man, yeah, I don't know about this. Right. Um, but it takes it takes pain to get to that place where you kind of find a, a fine balance there. So, um, right. That, that, that's my opinion. And but yeah, there's no doubt. there's more people investing than ever.
3: Yeah. And that, and that kind of correlates the cert- savings rate that Kevin was showing us is correlating with recessions. Right. So the the, the crazier the economy, the more of a worse recession we're in, the, the higher the savings rate generally tends to be. And, and vice versa. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And you, you got to get hurt. You know, uh, it's like, a you know, Kevin can speak to this when you got kids, right? You, you know, your kids don't sometimes don't want to listen to you. And you're like, don't do that. You're going to get hurt. And then it takes them to actually get hurt before they're like, you know, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that again. Right. And I feel like that's going to be a lot of investors. They got to get hurt and bad. You
1: cannot tell like, them. Oh, okay. You cannot tell them. I told no. you so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, look at this. This uh, not yep, uh, loading. That. That's weird. This com, can you guys see the comment? It's not loading for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I can see it. Okay, yep. people are investing as an act of desperation to increase earnings. I I think there's there's some truth to this that there's a lot of this uh, meme yoloing momentum that is literally just people like that's it. I'm taking my last three k. I'm hoping I can ten x it so I can uh you know pay off oh sorry uh so i could pay off my debt or or whatever like start my business or something i, I think it's horrible a horrible idea uh but uh what do you guys think
3: i think it's a great idea depending on the situation you're in right if if you have <laughs> such a i don't know if you're not making anything and it's like your moonshot then i could see how as an act of desperation that's why pro did what he did that's why he borrowed everything he could he maxed out his credit cards he shot his shot, and he—I don't know—became a millionaire. Is that smart? No, but I, I could see how some people feel like there's there's no other way for them to get ahead in life, and it, I think that, that that whole philosophy is kind of—I don't know—strengthened by who, who said this? I forget who said this. It's like no no rich person ever got wealthy by being diversified. So it's it's like you take a crazy risk, and, and there's a there's a bigger reward. So I could see how we've, we've come to this point. But on the flip side, I can see how it's terrible. And I agree with Jeremy that when, when this game ends, and I don't know how, when it's going to end or what's going to cause it to end, a lot of people are going to get hurt, especially in crypto, so. Wow.
0: What do you think, Graham?
3: Yeah, no, I
2: agree. I, th- I think, but here's the thing. I think people are, are beginning to smarten up and realize that investing is good for the long term. It's smart to invest your money. And I think as unpopular as it is to say, I do think Robinhood has done a lot of good getting people through the door. And I think offering a free platform that makes it very easy. And I remember when Robinhood first came out like 2000, I think it was 16 or 17. That's when it started to gain momentum. A lot of people were interested in it because it was like free from your phone. And I just, I think that aspect to it, and, and even the fact that it sure it was gamified a little bit, but that's what, that's what people who are like in their early 20s needed. They needed that. So I just think it's becoming more popular. The more people are in it, the more they're going to tell their friends about it. The more that they're going to talk about investing together. And then it becomes like this fun activity where you're with your buddies. Be like, oh, what did you buy this week? Oh, I, I bought more Tesla. Oh, I got a Tesla call option. expire. Oh, when's your expire? Mine's expired. It's just, I think it's becoming more of like a, a fun community aspect that just didn't exist a while ago and, and now we're starting to see that
0: no. yeah I, I i think it you know and i think it's not so much the uh people that maybe are investing like 500 i don't think it's those that will get hurt the worst i think it's the people that are uh, kind of um taking uh, getting greedy let's put it that way right that they're, um, you know, already have substantial amounts of money and they want to get to even bigger amounts. Maybe they got a half mil and now all of a sudden they, they want to get to five mil as fast as possible. I think it's be those people kind of no different than the real estate boom. The ones that got hurt the worst were the people that were, you know, buying up four, seven, eight, ten houses on spec. Right. Um, and so I don't know that I think that will actually be the, the ones that get hurt the worst, the, the greediest ones of the bunch.
1: So can you define on spec for folks?
0: Well, on, on spec, just uh, meaning, you know, maybe maybe you're relying uh, to get those loans, right? Or just uh, just completely speculating about it. Um, I, I know that's a popular term in the real estate industry. When you build a home and you don't have a buyer for it, you're just hoping or you think you're going to be able to sell it for a certain price. I know that was a popular thing in L.A. You probably is, still is a popular thing in L.A., right, Graham? Building a home on spec. Oh, yeah. Yeah you don't have a buyer already so oh yeah kind of, i would say most of a lot of the new constructions are, are spec houses almost all of them yeah, and, and and do you have a percentage of what deals you think uh you know make good money in that market like do they usually make good money most oh, of the yeah. time oh okay. yeah Though i would say in almost every single situation unless the seller's
2: like overspending on everything and has no idea what they're doing they're, pr- they're pretty smart and 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 unless the market goes down Most of them are making good money. The the spec homes that I see are usually the ones where the owner is like specking it out, but they're really doing it for themselves. And then they finish the project and there are so many just obscure, weird things in the home. I don't want to call it out, but there was like a, a home that was built, uh, man, I don't want to call it, but it was in the Valley in Los Angeles. And it was, it's in a neighborhood of just regular houses like normal three, four bedroom houses, 1,500 to 1,800 square in a normal neighborhood. And right in the middle of the neighborhood, there's like a 15,000 square foot mansion on the corner. that takes up like seven lots and it looks like a castle in the middle of And, and the owner built it to sell it. And this was, I think in like 2006 or something, the market just crashed. But this dude not only built a home that was so unique to the area, But he also built it for himself secretly. I mean, it was just a disaster. The the home is horrible for the neighborhood. Absolutely horrible. So those are the ones that lose money. But I'd say most that do it smartly in line with the the area, you're going to do well. As long as the market doesn't take a dump. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, as long as the market doesn't take a dump, that's a, that's a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I
1: feel like that's always uh, uh, the, w- what we say. Oh, yeah, this company should do well, as long as the market doesn't take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be right, unless I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs>
2: you're guaranteed to make money, I- I- unless you're not. So. <laughs> unless you don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but there's
2: a good wow. chance you will. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe.
0: <laughs>
2: well, so uh, real estate
1: do we just do a quick thing on maybe uh is the real estate market going to crash and then do we is there anything else to talk about uh we kind of talked a little bit we're i want to get your stocks, thoughts Kevin, i think you
2: should you should give your recap about what you think is gonna what your prediction is for the market for the rest of the year you've talked about an end of year rally for uh for oh, basically okay. the entire year you've mentioned end of year rally we're seeing something pretty close to that but now we're seeing things drop now earnings are coming out and and they're good and they're Stocks are just falling.
1: Yeah. So do you uh, think we've,
2: we've hit a peak where now people are like, all right, it's towards the end of the year. Maybe I should start taking some profits. Things are a little frothy. And maybe now, unless unless companies are beating by a large margin, they're like, all right, what's there to look forward to? Let me just sell.
1: Uh, maybe. You know, who, who knows? But uh, yeah, my, my investment thesis was load up on options in April and May and sell them profitably when there's an end-of-the-year rally. I've gone from like $5 million in options to one. <laughs> and so I've dumped a crap load of options, which is great, because I've sold most of those very profitably, which, which has been fantastic. Uh, how uh, you know how long the rally lasts, I have no idea. Uh, I think a lot of this, this recent drama that we're seeing in the last couple of days is uh, spawned in part by uh, the Fed. You know, the Fed came out, their, their financial stability report really calls into question the valuations that we're seeing. And You look at some of these stocks, the returns have been insane. Uh, so it's some of them, not all of them, right? But, but uh, enough of them that, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. Maybe some people will take some profits, but I'm still happy for the rest of the year. Uh, I'm bullish and optimistic, I think is the better phrase than happy, mostly because I think we don't have that many fear catalysts. I think that we could see some pain over the next two to three days as uh, as we wait for Joe Biden to make an announcement on the Fed chairperson. If he picks J-Pow, I think we're going to see a very green day the next day, and we'll see. But if he picks Janet,
3: <laughs>
1: that what? might be a story. If he picks <laughs> Janet Yellen... <laughs> Jan, no, Jay, Jay, no, no, Janet Yellen. She had her turn. <laughs>
3: I'm,
0: pretty, I'm pretty sure Powell is the pick. I mean, it would be a surprise to the market if he went against Powell, would it not? Huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would, it would be a surprise
3: to me. Mm. I don't know. I hope he goes for Janet. That way, Bitcoin could just... 10x in one day <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> let's not do that <laughs> i don't want yeah, that time. i don't know if, if just... he
2: sticks with if, if he sticks with drone powell the market knows what it's going to get but also if he goes with yellen the market could also There's look like yellen, back at yellen it is it not a Paul's choice team. here y- yeah right. y- y- <laughs> it's it's oh <laughs> who mentioned it's... yellen i'm just going along with it he's I screwing heard. around <laughs>
1: oh uh it's it's uh I don't know how to say your name really well. It's like uh, or something, something like right, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So she's a yelling? centrist. She the thing about her though is she doesn't talk that much, so she could go either way, she could she could swing either way, man. We just don't know. Whoa, <laughs> good. What are you implying, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying she could
2: raise rates or not. Oh, what sort of rates <laughs> is uh she raising? <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, sounds like there's you know, this inflation there, Kevin. <laughs> inflation has many meanings. <laughs> you have a lot of interest
3: in this. That's like the most bad joke podcast ever. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Kevin's that thinking he's going
1: to
3: get the other stimulus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe uh, we should stop. We'll stop.
3: Uh, <laughs> so we open up for yeah. questions.
0: Hey. Andre, Kevin, yeah. you guys, you guys, loading up on the chef if it goes down on earnings or what's going on here? It's fourteen dollars, <laughs> yeah. If if it hits fourteen, would you buy? What about fifteen? Could I sell you a fifteen? Sixteen?
1: What's that now? <laughs> you know, Seventeen? Um, for me, it's it's been coming down to the earnings calls. Uh, so I I would prefer to answer that after I read their call transcript because the. Uh, the call. Oh, or- I'll, I'll tell you their call. I, I already know it uh,
0: 50% plus revenue growth. Uh, they're getting into more and more retailers, more and more SKU expansion in stores, getting into more and more stores, every store you possibly could think of. That's their call. So that'll be the gist of it. They'll have some cost pressures. They're going to have not the greatest margins in the world, but they'll have margin expansion next year. There you go. That's the whole conference call, Kevin. You don't even need to listen now,
1: okay? Well, well I definitely won't listen. I'll read it. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. you, you read it, Kevin? I like to listen. Really, you read no. conference calls, huh?
1: No, because if I if I read it, I could sit there and make notes, and I can draw like question marks and stuff, and I can go up my pace rather than waiting for the stupid music and all this bull crap. I don't, I don't have time for that. Well, uh, Kevin so- –
0: Okay, I was going to tell you if you download the Hungry Bull app, you can put it at 2x speed. How does that
2: Damn. sound?
1: 2x speed earnings calls. The best, the best f- feature you got in that app right there. I really like yeah. that. We got to have that's something, man. We'll just take no, that. You, it's that's very very good feature. Just uh, you know, honestly just change the name to the earnings call app and and you'll connect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, carve that part out and and sell sell that as a standalone oh, app. Okay. <laughs> I'll sell it to you, Kevin. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um so, no,
0: so go ahead yeah you like to read the conference calls and you
1: like to make notes when you're, you're doing it basically yeah exactly Transcript. and uh yeah i mean so i'm i just pulled up let's see what they're I'm, I'm pulling up their projections really quick let's let's see what the wall street consensus is for tomorrow so if somebody wants to play the game tomorrow for Tattoo chef you want to have these numbers written down they're expecting 63.95 million of revenue they're expecting a net income of negative 4.35, and that would be an adjusted EPS of about a loss of five and a half cents. Mm. So, uh, you know, one thing that I uh, that is interesting is their implied one-day move tomorrow is 10.2%. That is more than twice the average move after earnings. The average move after earnings is 4.71%. You've only got two yeah. analysts covering it right now, one at a buy and one at a hold on it. Uh, so hey, you know, I I uh, I hope it does well for you.
0: Well, it doesn't matter. I hope it goes down. I want to buy more shares, so <laughs> I hope it doesn't go down. I
3: hope it goes down. <laughs> what were you looking at for that data? Is that the uh, the what was that app you were showing me? The one you pay like a oh, ridiculous amount a month for?
1: Yeah, yeah, the Bloomberg
0: terminal. Yeah, yeah that's right. it frustra- it, Kevin, it frustrates me how few analysts cover the stock. It's ridiculous. I mean, this is built out to a multi-hundred million dollar revenue company. To two analysts
3: to cover it, it's it's on a major. Are you, are you counting Jeremy as both of those? Like his yeah. two
1: <laughs> Channel one and channel two. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, one look, says um, the other
3: um, says buy.
1: Strong buy. And and Jeremy, you know the the forecast is that margin gross profit is expected to go from eighteen point three to twenty two percent next year. Uh, that's great. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the, the the biggest concern. Now I remember the biggest concern I have for this company is not so much the gross profit margin, which is really going to be uh, the, the cost of foods. Uh, inflation pressures are gonna wear that down, I agree with you. The biggest one for me is actually gonna be EBITDA margin because that's where you're gonna see the advertising expense. So what I would do, the, the probably the biggest metric that I would look at tomorrow in that, that earnings statement is I would wanna see how much did our revenue go up quarter to quarter, and how much did we have to spend on advertising to get that? And what was the advertising growth percentage? If they doubled their advertising spend and they uh, uh, quadrupled their revenue, then that's phenomenal, right? So, just as an example, that's what I'd be looking for. Rob. Interesting. So, you're you the the advertising lines actually,
0: what you're going to be most interested in. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Wow, yeah, and they haven't, they've hardly ever spent. So the percentage you'll see advertising go up will probably be substantial because they haven't really spent any money. But so I think it would be more important to look at the dollar amount rather than
1: the percentage amount. I mean, because yeah, if you up like The, the only reason I mentioned percentages, I don't really care about comparing, like the revenue is supposed to be exploding as well, right? So yeah. all of the numbers are relatively small right now. I would just want to compare those two. So the percentage growth of revenue to percentage growth of advertising. Because the thing about... In my opinion, the, the, the food biz is when you advertise, you're kind of hoping to to realize those conversions within the next few weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you hope to build a, a loyal customer for the long term to where you don't have to advertise to keep attracting them. But the problem with the food industry is you literally have to convince these people every freaking time they order food to get Tattoo Chef. That's hard. And so advertising is is to some degree necessary.
0: Yeah, I feel like, man, personally, I feel like there's a lot of wasted money in the advertising industry when it comes to food and drink. You don't need to sell me to buy another Pepsi Max or Coke Zero, like I'm gonna drink one of those, two of those every day, no matter what. Like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you don't need to spend any money to get me, right? so uh you know in and out well in and out is a bad example but you know (laughs) if i feel like a chick-fil-a like chick-fil-a doesn't have to run an ad to get me to go buy some chicken nuggets at chick-fil-a so i don't know i feel like there's a lot i feel like that's one of the industries where they waste a lot of money but to get a new customer if they're that loyal customer it's going to spend hundreds of dollars with you year in and year out or thousands which would be a big number right jeremy yeah why
3: is the eps expected negative what did they do
0: they're they're the they're dude like this is a huge growth company um so essentially i mean you're 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 you know advertising obviously advertising. you you when you're when you're scaling a business like you have all these you know new employees new costs to the business and things <clears throat> that that you just can't account for right or you just you know you're not ready to focus around profitability so as a, as a company gets more mature and there'll be a day when tattoo chef only grows five percent revenues or ten percent revenues that's when it becomes profitability and if you built a successful food business those businesses are incredibly profitable right um and so right now it's all about revenue growth except for Kevin he's he's focused on the advertising what's, which what's I, it, I don't think is a bad idea either I think
3: that's a what's idea. a golden standard in the food industry as far as like from a stock perspective
1: uh I mean you probably look dude. Yeah, Tyson. look at Tyson yeah. stock this year. Ripped. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Tyson uh Unilever they they have some food business, but they have some other businesses. Um you you obviously have uh oh what's what's the huge one? Uh they are actually a, a chocolate bar business. Uh the, the chocolate Oh, Hershey's. Well, Mondelees. yeah, the Hershey's Hershey's is a beast, but no, it's a bigger one. Mondelez. Um, Mondelez. There we go. Mondelez. Yeah. Two for There's- two. Let's go. <laughs> you just got to get one more, Kevin, and you're an expert. <laughs> yeah. The, the dr- I will say the drink industry is better than the food industry. The amount of giants in that industry is crazy. You know, you look at Coca-Cola, you look at Pepsi, which Pepsi has a food business, a snack business as well. Right. Um, but uh, any anywho, and then you got monster, you got Red Bull and you got so many companies in the drink space that have, tens of billions or hundreds of billions of dollar market cap. It's incredible. So, mm. but, um, Graham, we want to hear what you, what you buy in, what you buy this past week. You got any, oh, geez, Is what did I bought?
2: buy? Uh, Ethereum, Bitcoin, Ethereum this weekend. So like Saturday, Sunday, I was buying,
0: I think I bought
2: three or four Ethereum. Wow. I always buy a frac. I always buy just a fraction of Bitcoin, but let's see if we go through, uh, what did I buy? What did I buy? S and P, really the S and P, and then I bought uh, Canopy Growth, believe it or not, at 1160, oh 1165 Because I saw oh. a huge, I saw a huge dip, and I was like, "Listen, at this price, I may as well." I bought in higher than that a while ago, and I was like, "Yeah, may as well." So, and then Man. more Alibaba in the one fifties. Oh, but that was that was on Friday. So what, what is this Tuesday? So I guess yeah, and then just really S and P five hundred.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, you buy every stock that's dipping right now, you're gonna be out of money quick with how many of these stocks (laughs) are dipping. 20%. True. true. (laughs) Oh gosh. So Graham, you wanna take us home? Yes, guys. So
2: really quick, make sure to subscribe if you're watching this right now. Now is your sign. This is the time. This is the best time it's there's ever been to subscribe because it's totally free to do. cost you nothing, and you get to see us live once a week. Also, make sure to destroy the like button for the YouTube algorithm. helps helps us out a lot. We also, oh, we got the, the Clips channel down below in the description. If you ever miss an episode, you just want to see the Clips, uh, don't miss an episode, but also subscribe to the Clips channel. Thank you guys so much for watching. Oh, the link to that is in the description. That's it. Like, subscribe, Clips channel. That's it. Thank you guys so much for watching, and until next time.